All right, Psalm 25 tonight, the book of Psalms 25, chapter number 25 of the book of Psalms. And if you're able to, as you find your place in your Bible, let's go ahead and stand tonight. <clears throat> the book of Psalms, chapter number 25, is where we will be at tonight. All right, Psalm chapter number 25, and we are going to be in this whole chapter tonight, really going to kind of dissect this chapter uh, in, a, in a roundabout way, if you would. And so, to kind of help us understand where we're going and when we get there, what's going on, we're going to go ahead and read the entire chapter uh, real quickly tonight. But in Psalm chapter number 25, we know this, this is a Psalm of David, and so the Bible begins in verse number 1. It says, Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. Yea, let none that wait on thee be ashamed. Let them be ashamed which transgress without cause. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the stains of my youth, or sorry, remember not the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. Verse number nine. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. What man is he that feareth the Lord? Whom shall he teach in the way that he shall choose? His soul shall dwell in ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. Let me read that again, verse 14. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear him, and he will show them his covenant. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. O bring thou me out of my distresses. Look upon mine affliction and my pain, and forgive all my sins. Consider mine enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. O keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. Father, we thank you for tonight. <clears throat> Again, this time that we have to open the word of God, open scriptures. Lord, I pray tonight that as we look at this psalm of David and really uh, dive deep into looking at David's heart and specifically this conversation that David, I believe, has with you, uh, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to our heart and challenge us. Lord, even just reading over these the last couple of days, this, this text and studying this passage out, Lord, it's made me kind of take a step back and assess my relationship and my walk with you. Lord, help us tonight to just to draw closer to you than, before, than we were before we came in these doors tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I had the privilege of being born in the 1980s. Anybody had that same privilege? Amen. Amen. Miss Emily's not raising her hand. She must not have had that privilege, amen? <clears throat> I had the privilege of being born in the 1980s. Man, the 1980s was a good time. Good time, right? 
So then you get in the 1990s, and there was a phrase that really got popular toward the late 80s and the early 90s, and I'll see if you can finish the phrase for me. You can talk the talk, but can you walk the walk? Can you walk the walk? Oftentimes in Christianity, we have many that can talk the talk, but yet they can't really walk the walk. I believe tonight that the desire of every true believer in Jesus Christ is to enjoy an intimate and an incredible walk with the Lord. I don't believe there's anybody tonight that would say, you know, Brother Andrew, I'm born again, I'm saved, I know Jesus Christ is my personal Savior, but I really don't want a good walk with God. I, I really don't want a good walk with God. You say, would anybody say that? That'd be like saying, hey, I love my wife. I really appreciate my wife. My wife's my best friend, but I really don't like my wife. I don't want her as my wife. No one's going to say that and live, amen? Uh, no one's going to say that, right? The same thing, the same principle applies when it comes to the spiritual things of God is that we're not going to sit here tonight and say, well, I'm born again, I'm saved. I, I know for sure Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior, but I don't really want a good walk with God. No, I believe that our desire is to have a good walk with God. And I believe that doesn't matter if you're young, if you're old, if you were born in the 80s, or if you were born before the 80s, uh, if you were born in the 2000s, you young guys over here, it doesn't matter. We, I believe we all want to have a good walk with God. But many times we look at someone else's walk with God and we begin to question, is my walk with God adequate? Is my walk with God as good as their walk with God? What if God speaks differently to me than he does to that person over there? Let me say tonight that it is a mistake for you and I to compare our walk with God to anybody else's walk with God. Our objective tonight is not to compare our spiritual walk with God with other Christians, whether they be here at Riverside Baptist Church or maybe a friend we have on Facebook or a family member, whatever the case is. Our objective is not to compare our walk with God with other Christians because every individual believer's walk with God is unique and personal and special. Many times we hear testimonies of, of believers and they brag about their closeness to God or they, they brag about all that God's done for them and then we might feel inadequate, we might feel empty, we might feel like, man, I've, I've, I'm still at the train station and the train's done left. What's up with this, God? Where, where, have, you, where have you left me at? Like, God, what's, what's the issue here? But Paul warned us in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse number 12, Paul would say this to the church at Corinth. He says, for we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves amongst themselves are not wise. Listen, Paul was exhorting the church at Corinth, don't compare your spiritual walk with other believers. And can I say this, that in, even in 2021, if we're not careful, we find ourselves comparing our walk with God with other people, do we not? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. We have a tendency in, in ourselves sometimes to be like, well, man, they're more excited about the song service than I am. Or, man, they're more excited about the preaching service than I am. Or, man, what... Or why didn't, why didn't they move like God, like, you know, why didn't God work in their life like God worked in my life? And so there's this comparison religion, if you will, that goes back and forth. <clears throat> I can assure you today that there is not one person on earth that has perfected their relationship with God. No, there's, there's not a person, there's not a person in this room, there's not a staff member, there's not a deacon, there's not a Sunday school teacher, there's not a missionary, there's not a preacher, there's not an evangelist, you know, that has perfected their relationship with God. If anything, every day God shows me how imperfect my relationship with him really is, right? Every day God says, hey, listen, dude, what's the issue right here? You know, you're, you're reading your Bible and, and you're, you go to God in prayer and it's like as you're praying, God's like reminding you like, yeah, you prayed about that yesterday and you're still struggling with it. 
Man, I gave you exactly what you needed in your Bible reading. Hey, hey, did you not listen to the message that Pastor Marshall preached on Sunday? Like, man, there was that little snippet that I gave him to give to you, and you didn't get it. What's the deal, bucko? No, no, anybody, anybody find themselves there? Or am I the only one, right? We find ourselves there. I mean, that's the reality of the Christian life. Reality of Christian life. I can also tell you with this, with confidence tonight, that no two relationships with God look exactly the same. They don't look the same. My relationship with God is, it doesn't look the same as Brother Jim's relationship to God. It just doesn't. And listen, it's not supposed to. It's not supposed to. Brother Jim and I don't text each other in the morning and go, hey, what's on your prayer request sheet this morning? I want to copy it. Oh, we, don't, we don't do that. We don't text each other and go, hey, where'd you read at this morning? I'm going to read here. You're going to read here? Okay, let's compare notes. That doesn't take place at all. You know why? Because his walk with God is his walk with God. My walk with God is my walk with God. One of the things that we really try to, <clears throat> really try to impress and push with our young people here at Riverside Baptist Church is that they have a personal relationship with God. Listen, their walk with God is not based upon mom and dad. It's not based upon Brother Andrew and Miss Crystal. It's not based upon Pastor Marshall and Miss Pam. It's not based upon the membership of Riverside Baptist Church. No, no, their walk with God is based upon themselves and how much, listen, how much they spend in that relationship with God. If not, if not, if their relationship with God tonight is based upon mom and dad or Brother Andrew and Miss Crystal or Pastor Marshall or Riverside Baptist Church, let me tell you something, when, when things get tough and the devil shows up and comes a knocking, they're out the door. They're out the door. They're out the door. No, no, no. I, I, I believe, I, listen, I believe through experience and through the word of God that it's so, so vital. Listen, I, I haven't just seen it just with teenagers, but even with adults. Even with adults, man, they get, they get plugged in and they get, they get saved and they get attached maybe to a brother or sister in Christ. And man, their relationship with God is focused and is, 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 is wrapped around that one individual. And then when that one individual fails, because they're going to fail, they're like, Man, what's the point of serving God? What's the point of living for God? No, no. Just be honest. Before we forget, before we forget, okay, listen, there is still a man that stands behind this pulpit. There is still a man that stands behind the pulpit. And, and as godly and as a spiritual of a man that God's given us and blessed us with as a pastor, he's still a man. You know what that means? He's going to make mistakes. He's going to make mistakes. Hey, as dumb as a youth pastor you have here, he's going to make mistakes. Hey, as great of deacons that we have here, amen, Brother Brett? They're going to make mistakes. Hey, as, as godly a teenager some of them are, they're going to make mistakes. Listen, we're a church of mistake makers, bottom line. We're going to make mistakes. So for us to come in and, and to look at our relationship with God and our walk with God and go, man, I want my walk to God to be just like, no, 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 no. You want your walk to God, with God, to be your walk with God. No two relationships with God are the same. Just because your relationship with God does not look like someone else's does not mean you are unspiritual. But, hold up here, but don't use that statement as justification to live however you want. Because Paul also wrote to the church of Galatia and said this, Galatians chapter 5, verse number 13, For brethren... Ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. The apostle Peter would go on to write in his first epistle in chapter 2, verse 16. He said, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God. You see, the liberty that we have in Christ is not a, quote, free to sin card. No, 
the liberty we have in and through Christ allows us the privilege and the opportunity and the joy and the pleasure to have a meaningful relationship walk with God. So tonight, we find ourselves here in Psalm chapter number 25. Psalm 25. We know this, that Psalm 25 is a Psalm of David. And in this Psalm tonight, David gives us some principles, if you would, concerning his relationship with God that I believe can help us in our walk with God. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, the, listen, the mindset that, that I have to have is not, Lord, I want to be a better preacher, or Lord, I want to be a better husband, or Lord, I want to be a better father, or Lord, I want to be a better youth pastor, or Lord, I want to be a better staff member. No, no, the mindset I need to have is I need to say, Lord, I want to be a better child of God, and all these other things will fall into place. So often we're focused on all the other things outside, the, the physical and the external And really what God wants us to focus on is what's on the inside, the internal, and how I'm walking with God. And so David gives us here some things that we're going to look at tonight that he really breaks down, I believe, in David's life. He says, listen, these are some vital things in my walk with God, not only to talk the talk, but also walk the walk. Now, before we get into this tonight, we know this. We know that David has a specific, we'll call it like a a bad spot in his life, because it really was. We know that David is guilty of adultery, and David is guilty of murder. And most likely, uh, uh, theologians and commentators have said that because of the context of Psalm chapter 25, that most likely David wrote this psalm toward the end of his life, toward the latter years of life. So most likely, as he's penning these words down in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's already committed the sin of adultery with Bathsheba. He's already killed Uriah the Hittite. He's done some pretty wicked, horrible things. Let's not, let's, let's not let just kind of push that aside, because a lot of times we think of David, we're thinking like, hey, David and Goliath, sin of Bathsheba, I mean, those are two things that stand out. But as an adult, these things are hanging over David. These sins. Listen, if you don't think for a second as he's walking through the palace and he sees Bathsheba, that there's not some, there's not the devil doesn't bring up some thoughts and some ideas in his mind and in his heart, like, yeah, buddy, she shouldn't be here. No, no, maybe, maybe he's walking through and he looks down a hallway and he sees Solomon playing or Solomon doing some schooling or whatever the case is, that maybe the devil's not going, hey, hmm, how'd he get here? Hmm, you still, you still a man after God's own heart? No, no, this is, this is the David we're talking about. This is the David that, that had these horrible sins in his life. So look at verse number one here. The Bible says, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. Oh my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. So here, let's break this down real quick and then we'll go home tonight. David desired a walk with God that was special and was unique. Yes, David was guilty of heinous sins, the sin of adultery, the sin of murder. But yet at that time, at at, at this time in Psalm chapter number 25, David is, is expressing himself and the deep distress that his sin and the sorrow that came with his sin. The problem is this, that when we are overwhelmed with the sorrow of sin, uh, we don't drive, we are not driving ourselves to God, we're driving ourselves from God. David gives us a picture here of in his deep sorrow because of sin, driving himself to God when he says in verse number one, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. David was not willing to allow his sin to separate him from God forever. Say that again, David was not willing to allow his sin to separate him from God forever. David recognized his faults. He recognized his failures and his desire to be close and to be intimate and to have a genuine relationship with God was still his number one priority. So what are some things that we can find in this text? 
I believe in verse number one, look at verse number one, it says, unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. But then look at verse number eight. The Bible says, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. I believe one of the things that we can see in this text tonight is this, is that David or our communication in, in it's got to be, listen, it's got to be two-way communication between us and God to have a fervent walk with God. Uh, <clears throat> uh, there's quite a few people in here tonight that, that are married. You have a spouse, and, uh, and so uh, Miss Crystal's in the nursery, so I'll just use myself and Miss Crystal for an example. Uh, but one of the things that Miss Crystal and I do multiple times throughout the week is we kind of, maybe toward the end of the day, uh, the kids are in bed, and we're, we're sitting down and finishing out the night, and, and we always ask ourselves this question, one another, like, okay, what's the plans for tomorrow? Any other spouse done that before? Kind of, what's the plans for tomorrow? What's on the calendar for tomorrow? <clears throat> now, I, I'm a big fan of, of iPhones. I'm a big fan of, of having an iPhone. I've had an iPhone for years, and I really like using the calendar app on iPhone. And so I plan out my day on my iPhone, if I have a meeting or, or a job, or, or like today we had to go get buses inspected, so I put that on my calendar. So I can just pull up my iPhone, and I can say, well, here's what I have going on tomorrow. Miss Crystal's not that way. It's a fault she has, okay? We're working on it, amen? She likes to keep a hard calendar where she writes it in. I, honestly, I think it's just because she likes them really girly, frilly, like calendar book things. I'm just like, yeah, I don't want one of those. I'll stick with my iPhone. The point is this. Communication has got to be two ways for it to be effective. In order for our marriage relationship to work, communication has to go both ways. So let's play this out a different way. Miss Crystal says, okay, Andrew, what do you have going on tomorrow? Not telling you. Okay, well, I have this and this and this and this going on. Okay. Well, what do you have going on? I'm not telling you. Now, how long do you think that would work? Let me be honest with you. She looks really sweet and genuine, but man, she's got a mean streak to her. She's got a mean streak to her, right? Just a little, just a little. She's not in here, so I can say that, amen? The point is this. Communication has to go both ways. Watch Scripture. Look what the Bible says in verse number one. Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. David's saying, basically, as he begins this psalm, and he's getting ready to pour his heart out to God. And he gives us this picture right at the very beginning that he is pouring his heart out to no one else but God. He's communicating to God. Ultimately, here's what David is showing, his dependence upon God. The first four words of this psalm, unto thee, O Lord. And here is David speaking to God. Communication is more than talking. It is also listening. Communication is more than talking. It is also listening. If you were here uh, Sunday night, this last Sunday night, pastor had a kind of a family conversation with the church family that was here. Remember one of the things he mentions is about being available to just listen. Just listen. Just listen. Can I just kind of throw this on in too, that as we listen, we shouldn't be listening to give a response. We should be listening to listen. How many of us are guilty of that? We're hearing somebody say something, listening to conversation from another brother or sister in Christ, our spouse, our kids. You know, you have a conversation with Levi, it takes 20 minutes before he gets three words out, amen? So you're listening to this conversation, already formulating what you're going to say. No, no, that's, we're going to see here in a second. That's not how God operates. God here is listening to what David is saying, and David is pouring his heart out to God. I'll give you an example. In this psalm, Psalm 25, personal pronouns are used 28 different times. 
But it's interesting to note that between verses number 1 and verses number 7, and then verses number 15 and verses number 22, 27 personal pronouns are used. But then verses 8 through verses number 14, only one. So here, here's, here's the picture I'm picturing here that is David's penning the psalm. As he's pouring his heart to, out to God, and notice what he says here in verse number 1, Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. O my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Let not mine enemies triumph over me. And so David, the beginning of this text, the beginning of Psalm 25, is he's pouring his heart out to God, and he's talking to God, and he's saying, Lord, here's my struggle. Lord, here's my pain. Here's, here's the dependence I need to have upon you. But then between verse number, uh, verse number 8 and verse number 14, it's almost as if David stops, and then God responds. God's listening to David. Then David stops as God responds. Watch and David listens to God. <clears throat> you know one of the hardest things in our walk with God? You know one of the hardest things in our walk with God? is just listening to God. It's listening to God. <clears throat> it's listening to God. Listen, the preacher gets up and he preaches about tithing and giving to faith promised missions. Man, we can, we, man I, I, can, I can do that, Brother Angie, no big deal. But man, God pricks our heart. God pricks our heart and says, hey, I want you to give more than what you're giving. And it's like, ooh, I don't know if I want to listen to God say that. No, it's easy to talk to God and pour our heart out to God, but there's times where communication going both ways, we got to listen to what God has to say. And God desires that we listen to what he has to say. Consider David's situation, for instance, in our text tonight. Notice in verse number four, he says, show me thy ways, O Lord, teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truths and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation, on thee do I wait all the day. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have been ever of old. Remember not the sins of my youth. Remember not the sins of my youth. Remember not the sins of my youth. David's saying, God, would you remember not the mistakes that I made in the past? God, would you remember not my shortcomings? Would you remember not my failures? He says, nor my transgressions. According to thy mercy, remember thou me for thy goodness sake, O Lord. David's pouring his heart out to God, and he's, he's, he's talking to God, and then it's like, then it's like the, the, the dynamic totally changes. Notice verse number eight. The Bible says, good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. It says if David is saying, God, here I am, a sinner, and I made some mistakes, and God, would you forget those things, and God, would you still teach me? Would you still guide me? Would you still direct my life? Would you still lead me in the direction you want me to go? And then God responds in verse number eight, and he says, therefore will he teach. God speaking about God himself. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. It's almost, watch, it's almost as if as David's pouring his heart out to God, God's responding, he's listening to what David said, and God says, yes, David, I'm there for you. Yes, David, I'm real for you. Yes, David, I want to be involved in your walk with me. Yes, David, I will do for you what you're asking. But can I say this tonight? We have got to make sure not only that we are talking to God, but that we're listening to God. And that when God does speak, that we make sure we listen and we respond. Watch, watch, verse number nine. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon mine iniquity, for it is great. David steps, he inserts back in in verse number 11. There's that personal pronoun. And David's like, oh God, would you just please forgive me? Verse 12, what man is he that feareth the Lord? What man? What man is he that feareth the Lord? Him shall he teach in the way that he shall choose. His soul shall dwell at ease, and the seed shall inherit the earth. 
The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. Oh man, there's so much just in that one statement right there. The secret of the Lord is with them that fear Him. Can I say this tonight? That probably, probably one of the things that hinders our walk with God the most is that we just don't have a holy, righteous fear of God. We just don't fear God. We don't fear God. Listen, growing up in home, I'm the oldest of seven kids, and we're in a military home, a lot of discipline, a lot of structure. Man, I had a holy, righteous, reverent fear for my dad and that paddle he carried around. And I had a fear for it. I had a fear for it. Listen, when my dad wasn't around, when my dad was deployed, when he was gone, when he was TDY, no fear for dad because he wasn't there to beat me. Amen? But when dad shows up, man, there was a, there was a fear. You kind of walked a little bit different. You made sure the bed was made. You made sure all the rules were followed. You made sure you obeyed mom because there was a fear of dad. Can I say this? Is sometimes as Christians, we don't have a fear for God because he's not standing next to us. He's not, he's not, he's not knocking on our door every day. Well, he, he's not sitting right next to us in the car. He's not, in, in a sense, right in front of us physically speaking. And so then, therefore, there's no fear of God. And God says, listen, uh, what man, verse 12, what man is he that feareth the Lord? Whom shall he teach in the way that he shall choose? His soul shall dwell at ease, and his seed shall inherit the earth. The secret, God's saying, David, the secret of the Lord is this, that you would fear me. And, he will, and I, he will show you the, his covenant. Listen, our dependence has got to be this, two-way communication. We've got to communicate with God. Listen, but not only communicate with God, but we've got to be willing to listen to what God has to say. Notice verse number 15. David says this, Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. David says, hey, in this walk with you, God, in this relationship with you, God, man, if I'm going to have total dependence, there's got to be some delight in you. And in verse number 15, David says, Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord. The Lord. <clears throat> I can honestly say I'm, I'm, 30, I'm 38 years old. I've been saved since June 10th, 1991. <clears throat> and in my Christian life, in all these years that I've been saved, I'd like to say that it's been, man, man, it's just been awesome. The Christian life's been absolutely amazing. But I can be real with you tonight. There's been times in my Christian life where uh, it hasn't been as good as it needs to be. Hasn't been as good as I wanted it to be. It hasn't been as good as... It should have been. And looking back on those parts of my life, I can look back and go, you know what? I, I, I know the common denominator in those, those, those issues. My eyes weren't on God. My eyes were on myself. My eyes were on somebody else in church. My eyes were on some other situation. My eyes were on some other part of the world and what the world had to offer. David is saying, look what he says in verse 15. He says, my eyes are ever toward the Lord. David's like, man, my walk with God is not based upon Bathsheba. It's not based upon Solomon. It's not based upon Nathan. It's not based upon anybody. It's based upon God. Why, David? Because my eyes are ever before the Lord. But then notice verse number four. David says, listen, there's, there's got to be some communication going back and forth between me and God. But in verse number four, look, notice what David says. He says, show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth and teach me, for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. I believe if we're going to walk the walk tonight, not only, not, only, not only must there be communication both between us and God, but I believe secondly tonight that there's got to be a commitment to time. <clears throat> One of the things that you and I don't get when we're reading this psalm is exactly how long it took David to write this. We don't know that what transpired as David would sit down and pen these words. We weren't there sitting next to him. It's not like we have a, a picture or a video or a YouTube clip or whatever you want to call where we see David sit down and take a, 
take a pen and take some parchment paper and write psalm and write unto thee. We don't, we don't know how long it took him. But I dare say that as David would pen these words, that it just didn't happen in a matter of minutes. Maybe it took some hours. Maybe it took some days. Maybe it took some time. Listen, it took some time where David was penning these words and he had to just lay that quiver on down and just get down on his face before God and worship God. Maybe as he's penning these words and the Holy Spirit's moving and these words are being penned down, that David's just like, just overwhelmed at what God's doing in his life, overwhelmed at how God's convicting him, overwhelmed at, at what he's writing down. I, I don't know. I don't know. But I know this, that David says this in verse 4, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. This is what we call an acrostic psalm. That means this. That means that in the Hebrew, each verse begins with the successive letter of the Hebrew outfit, alphabet. Knowing that, it is safe to say that this psalm took many many minutes to write down. David obviously, obviously did not just sit down and write down words. No, no. He was led of God to pen these exact words. I know God, listen, I know God gave David these words, but if we think about it tonight, that as he wrote these words, obviously within his heart, David was considering his relationship with God. David knew, number one, he had to be willing to allow God to work in his life. Notice what he says in verse four. Show me thy paths, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. So watch. Lord, I don't want to just talk the talk, but I want to walk the walk. Okay, sounds great. You want to have that meaningful relationship with me. Absolutely, God, that's my desire. That's my goal. That's my ambition. That's what I want for me. Okay, then here's some things you need to see. Here's some things you need to recognize. Here's some things that need to take place in your life. Show me. I'm going to show you my ways. I'm going to show you the ways that I want you to live and I want you to walk. Now, I don't know about you, but whenever somebody shows me something, Normally, they have to show me a couple of times before it clicks. Anybody else? Anybody else like that? Uh, we were working on some electrical stuff here in church uh, this week, and I was trying to figure out how to run some new lighting back in the junior church room. And I had this idea of this part I needed. I had this idea of this part I needed. And there's two people I know I could call, uh, Brother Dan. I know I could call Brother John Bowen. and had an electrical question. And so I called Brother Dan real quick because Brother Dan doesn't really work. I know Brother John works. And so I called Brother Dan real quick. It's just a joke. Called Brother Dan real quick. And Brother Dan, he said, this is the part you need. And so I'm sitting at my desk, and I'm typing it up, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, that is not the part I need. What is he thinking? He's not getting it, right? So Brother Dan's talking to me on the phone. I'm not telling him that. I'm just thinking it, okay? I'm confessing my sin, Brother Dan. You're welcome. <clears throat> he's telling me what part I specifically need to fix this light in the junior church room. I mean, he's describing everything and the dimensions. He goes, don't get a half inch, get the quarter inch. And I'm like, what difference does it make? I just need to work, right? And so once he tells me exactly what I need, here's what I do. Okay, thanks, Brother Dan. I hang up, and guess where I go? YouTube. YouTube, Brother Jimmy. And I'm watching these guys use the exact part that Brother Dan told me to use. That's how hard-headed I am. Hey, no, 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 no. How many sermons have we listened to that it just seems like, man, it's just, I've heard that sermon before. Man, 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 I remember Matthew, we were talking, uh, uh, pastor preached not too long ago, the same message on a Sunday morning. How many times, Matthew? Three times in a row. Three Sundays in a row, he gave the same text, pretty much preached the same message. And probably the third Sunday, somebody was kind of like, man, I think I've heard that before. Like, sometime around here, like, just, man, have you heard that before? I, I don't know, it just seems like I've heard that before. Three Sundays in a row, Right? Listen, we're hard-headed. We're all hard-headed. And sad to say, when it comes to the things of God, we're even harder-headed. 
than we need to be. So here's what, look what David says. Look at verse number, sorry, uh, yeah, verse number four. Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. No, no, no. If we're going to have a real, genuine walk with God, there's got to be some commitment. There's got to be some commitment. There's got to be some commitment. Listen, we live in a society where there is no commitment. There's no commitment to job. There's no commitment to family. There's no commitment to spouse. There's no commitment to country. There's no commitment to God. God says, listen, if you want to know, you have to be committed. Listen, if you want a real walk with God, you've got to be committed. Listen, this showing up on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and saying, Pastor Marshall, bless me if you can. I may pick up a hymn book. I may not. Listen, you're not going to grow spiritually. You're not going to grow spiritually. I saw a really good quote today from a pastor. I wish I would have copied it, but basically at the bottom of the quote, he said this, and I've mentioned it, pastors mentioned it, I've heard other preachers mention, he said this, he goes, you get out of church what you put into church. Listen, if our mentality is to come to church and our mentality is, pastor, bless me if you can, we're gonna get zero out of church. But can I say this, if I wake up every morning or I'm going throughout the day and I'm like, God, I need to hear from you today. God, I want to hear from you today. God, I haven't heard from you today. What is it in my life, God, that you're trying to teach me? God, what is it in my life that I haven't surrendered or I haven't yielded to you? God, would you please show me your ways? Because my walk with you is vitally important to my sanity, to my relationship with my spouse, my kids, my church. God, my relationship with you is the number one priority of my life. But is that where we're at? Are we kind of like, hey, I'm saved. Brian, I'm saved, man. Bro, I know Jesus. Yeah. Me and Jesus, we're like homeboys. Yeah. No. That's the type of people we knock the doors of. And you try to witness them and get them to come to church. And they're like, yeah, I go to church. Where do you go to church at? Right there on my lazy boy. Uh, okay. Yeah, I watch it on TV. And man, it's so good. And I wear this necklace. And I have this water. And I have all this other stuff. And man, I just, I just love God. God loves me. I'm Man, I'm God's gift to mankind. Hold up, hold up. If we're truly going to walk with God, there's got to be some commitment. So look at verse four. David says this, show me thy ways. Show me. David saying, God, watch God. Show me thy ways. If you and I are not willing to go to God, and say those words, we're not committed. We're not committed. <clears throat> Give you an example. I'll use, my, I'll use Crystal myself again. The old building, right, Brother Jimmy? Yeah, old building, right? Okay, Brother William's up here doing our marriage vows, right? Brother William says, do you, Andrew, take Crystal? Yes, I do. Sickness and health. Nope, not happening. Nope, she gets sick, I'm getting a new one. Oh, we laugh, we laugh. Those are marriage vows, right? Rich or poor, poor? Nope, nope, I'm not, nope, nope. She's, she's blessed just to have me. Come on, what are you talking about, Brother Williams? No, no, we kind of treat God the same way sometimes. God, show me thy ways. Okay, here they are. <sighs> nope, not happening. You know why? Because we're not committed. David says this, David's like, God, if I'm going to walk with you, if I'm going to have that right relationship with you, if I'm going to, even in my shortcomings, in my failures, in my sin, in my transgressions, Lord, even in all my mistakes and me pouring my heart out to you, God, here's the deal. The rubber meets the road. I'm committed to you, so show me your ways. When was the last time we asked God, God, I'm committed to you, no strings attached, 
God, whatever you want, Lord, whatever you want me to give up, uh, Lord, I'm willing to do it. I'm willing to separate myself from it. We moved here in August of 2016, and about November, December of 2016, I can't remember the specific message, but I remember sitting back kind of where Rachel and Mike Nold were sitting at, and I remember God speaking to my heart, and here's, here's what God said. God said, Andrew, there's something in your life right now that is more important to you than me. And it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't a sin. It wasn't a sin at all. It was actually it was a hobby. God said, Andrew, there's something in your life right now that's more important than me. And until you get rid of that in your life, and I become the most important thing in your life, you will be miserable. And you ask pastor and maybe some of the other people who have been here long enough, I was miserable. I remember that uh, last service of 2016, sitting back there and the whole time pastor was preaching, I'm bawling my eyes out, Brother Jimmy, and I'm sitting back there like this. Oh yeah, pastor and I talk, we joke about it now, but no, no, there was something in my life, there was something in my life that was more important than God. And so I didn't say anything, obviously, to pastor, I didn't say anything even to my wife. And I just took care of it, got it out of my life, got rid of that, that hobby, walked away. Walked away from it. Can I be honest with you? If there is something in your life tonight that is more important than his ways, you got a problem. You got a problem. If you're more committed to a job or to a car or to a hobby or to a lifestyle or to music or you name it, if you're more committed to that than you are to God, and living his ways, and being committed to what he has for you, man, you're missing out on that sweet fellowship with God. Because after that took place, Brother Mike, I watched God do some things in my heart that only God could do. I watched God do some things that only he could do. And guess what? Here's the amazing end of the story. Those things that God said, hey, you have too much of a love for this, get it out of your life. Guess what? A couple years down the road, God said, Okay, you can have that back in your life. Man, what, a, what an awesome, awesome, awesome experience and testimony for me personally to watch God work in my life, to watch God work for me. My, I didn't say anything to my wife, didn't say anything to my in-laws, my parents, the pastor, nobody, nobody. I, told, I talked to pastor a year after it happened. He goes, you did what? I said, pastor, this is what God told me to do, and I did it. And man, I watched God do some things in my life spiritually that only God could do. Why? Hey, look at verse five. David says this, lead me in thy truth. Listen, if you're going to ask God to lead you tonight, you got to be committed. If you're going to ask God to guide you tonight, you got to be committed. If you're going to ask God to direct every step of your way, notice what he says in verse five again. He says, lead me in thy truth and teach me for thou art the God of my salvation. On thee do I wait all the day. When was the last time we asked God, God, show me thy ways. God, lead me in thy truths. God, teach me. When it's the last time we beg God to do those things? Maybe tonight we haven't begged God because we're just not committed to God like we ought to be. Then as David gets down to verse number 20, let's wrap this up tonight. Verse number 20, David says this. He says, oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait on thee. Number three tonight, I think as we look at this passage of Scripture, a key to having a walk 
with God that's what it ought to be is this. You've got to trust God. Think about this this afternoon. If we were to take a survey and ask married couples tonight, what are, what are some key ingredients to a, quote, successful or a happy marriage relationship? Now, we obviously, we didn't do this, but I believe there'd be obviously lots of suggestions and lots of things. But I believe two of the things that would probably we'd find from every couple that would be listed tonight is this. Number one, communication. Communication is key to a successful and a happy marriage. When a husband and wife do not communicate, not good environment. But then secondly, I believe this, trust. Trust. You see, the trust that spouses have toward one another is vital for a healthy, healthy marriage, friendship, or relationship. Not just the trust that your spouse will be faithful and committed to you. Not just the trust that your spouse won't commit adultery and, and, and be unfaithful to you specifically as their spouse, but also this, trust that your spouse will be honest and upfront, trusting that they'll be there in sickness and in health, trusting that in the good times, in the bad times, they'll be right by your side. You see, there's no leather relationship that we have that is like the one we have with the Lord. And David says this in verse number, verse number 20, Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. David saying, God, my walk, my relationship, my, 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 my communion with you. Listen, God, I'm trusting. I'm trusting everything that you're going to do for me. Then he says in verse 21, let integrity and uprightness preserve me, for I wait on thee. I have this note written in my Bible. It says, David is dependent on God, listen, and God alone. David is dependent upon God and God alone. Here's ultimately what David's saying. David's saying, God, my walk and my relationship with you is not dependent upon Bathsheba. My walk, my relationship with you is not dependent upon Solomon or Nathan or anybody else in this kingdom. My walk and my relationship with you is dependent upon you, and I'm trusting you for it. Trusting you for it. Our desire tonight ought to be not just to talk the talk, but to actually walk the walk. But in walking the walk, here's some things we need to recognize. Number one. We cannot do it in and of ourselves. We need God's help. We need God's help. Listen, there are many Christians tonight that are trying to live this Christian life based upon themselves and what they think is right rather than what God has to say in His Word. David says, God, show me, lead me, teach me. Remember, O Lord, Thy tender mercies and Thy loving kindness, for they have been ever of old. But then David says this and finishes out this psalm. God, I'm trusting you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Probably the hardest thing for me as a Christian is just that fact right there. Trusting God. I wish I could say tonight that as I've gotten older and as I've grown in my faith and as I've studied my Bible and preached and taught and read and memorized and everything else, that it'd be easier. But I'll be honest with you, sometimes it's very difficult to trust God. Anybody else relate? It'd be very difficult. Because this old flesh says, hey, if you can't see it, if you can't touch it, if you can't manipulate it, what are you trusting? Here's what David's saying. God, if I'm going to have a real, genuine, heartfelt walk with you, hands off, it's all about you. I'm trusting you. Listen, tonight, Christian, Riverside Baptist Church, God desires that we have a meaningful walk with him. But how's your walk? Is your walk with God dependent upon your terms? In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus was asked this question. Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? Here was Jesus' reply. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. 
That's your standard. That's my standard. Do, can you honestly say, God, I love you tonight with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind? Okay, if that's the case, let's make sure that when we communicate with God, not only are we talking to God, but that we're listening to God. Let's make sure that when God speaks, when God challenges, when the Holy Ghost of God corrects us, when God says, hey, listen, there's this part of your life that needs to get fixed. There's this part of your life that isn't fully yielded, fully surrendered to me. Then we're like, okay, God, I, I got it, God. It's all yours. Here you go. We need to make sure, listen, we need to make sure that our walk with God is real, is genuine, and it's remarkable. Why? Because that's God's design. Then we also need to recognize this, that we need to trust God in the storms of life as well in the joys of life, that we need to trust God. And then we need to lean on God, be willing and waiting to hear from God. Say, God, what would you have me to do? I'm totally yielded to what you have for me. Father, we thank you for tonight, Lord, and thank you for the life of David. Lord, I thank you for Psalm 25, and there's so much, so much in this chapter. Lord, I know for myself that my walk with you obviously could be better, and obviously when we ask people, many times they say, well, it could be better. My walk with God could be better. My Bible reading could be better. But in all honesty, Lord, tonight, even in reading this text, there's times where, Lord, to be honest, I'm not asking you to teach me and lead me and guide me. And that's a shame to me. And Lord, my walk with you could be better. And it could be better not because it's your fault, Lord. It could be better because it's my fault. Because I've fallen short. I've made mistakes, Lord. And I've made excuses and allowed other things to come in my life and to crowd out what you'd have for me. Lord, help us tonight, whether we're here in this auditorium or maybe we're at home watching via live stream. Lord, help us tonight to recognize how important our walk with you really is. Lord, how, how special our walk is with you. Lord, I'm so thankful for the life of David. And Lord, I know David's not perfect, but there's nobody perfect. Lord, I'm not perfect. But I'm thankful for a man who was willing to pour out his heart, who was willing to acknowledge the fact that he was absolutely nothing apart from you. And Lord, that because of what you've done as far as salvation goes, that we could have this remarkable life, we could have this remarkable walk with you. Lord, help us tonight to be fully yielded and surrendered to what you'd have for us. As we stand tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed, the piano's going to go ahead and play.